Welcome to Inside New Mexico. I'm Derek Underhill, and with me is our chairman of the Republican Party of New Mexico, Steve Pierce. How are you, sir? Well, I'm doing great. Uh, we were actually spent the weekend in Albuquerque. We were able to post some pictures of the mountains in the early morning twilight, and it was just magnificent. Of course, a large rain had occurred there the day before, so when we got down close to the river, it was running heavy and dark, muddy cover. But uh, New Mexico needs a little bit of rain, and it's been getting it. So just good time to be here. And this fall season is my absolute favorite time of the year. The afternoons settle down. They get so quiet, so still, and it starts cooling off. And that heavy noonday heat starts dissipating very rapidly. Just my favorite, favorite time of, of the year inside New Mexico. Did you get to see any balloons while you were in Albuquerque? Actually, from a distance. Uh, we were there for a wedding, and a, a friend's daughter was getting married, and, and it was just really magnificent. They did a wonderful job, and always you see young people exchanging vows and doing things traditional. And I think the country is hungry for those traditional things about our background. I think that uh, that we've seen enough Hollywood and marriages breaking up, just marriages in name only. And so I just saw women breaking into tears during the deal. And it was a significant occasion. So that's, again, something special that, uh, that we got to participate in this weekend. We'll uh, do more of those things in Albuquerque. But for the moment, we're hustling here in Hobbs today. Okay. Well, we appreciate having you on with us and talking about what's going on in the Republican Party and in politics in general. And it looks like all we're hearing by all of the Democratic candidates for president, they are vehemently anti-gun. Tell us about that. Well, I just don't know exactly where they're getting their information from. They're looking at the polls and the big cities. But I tell you, a lot of people in the Democrat Party are still very pro-gun. But what has happened is Beto O'Rourke basically has forced everybody far to the left. He said a couple of weeks ago, maybe even a month ago, that he was going to start confiscating guns. Of course, he said it'll be a mandatory buyback, which is the same thing. Hell yes, we're going to take your AR-15, your AK-47. We're not going to allow it to be used against our fellow Americans anymore. But then we had the Kansas City shooting, and he began to speak about it before even the facts were known. Breitbart talked about Beto O'Rourke, their headline, Beto O'Rourke seizes on Kansas City shooting for gun control before the facts are known. When you start making headlines like that as a presidential candidate, you can understand why he's that low in the polls. He, again, made assumptions that turned out to not be correct. And he made the most curious comment that he said, I visited Kansas City in August and everyone I met was warm, generous, and welcoming. My heart is with all who are impacted by this tragedy. Well, I mean, yes, everybody can be warm, friendly, and engaging. It just takes one nut out there, one nut that uh, many times has been identified by the FBI, identified by local people as being dangerous. You can look at almost all of the mass shootings and troubling things were in everyone's background. But the real thing was that it appeared like that that Kansas City shooting was a bar fight. Two individuals allegedly walked out, got guns, re-entered the bar and killed four people. That's way different than what's been happening. And, and again, the idea that you're going to expand from there to the mass shooters or whatever is just one that I think a lot of people differentiate in their minds, except Beto O'Rourke doesn't. And now he's pulling the rest of the Democrats that direction in this highly contested presidential race on their side. Now, when he talks about gun control, he always talks about uh, taking away the AR-15 and the AK-47 
and doing those through confiscation, that enforced buyback program we mentioned a couple of minutes ago. The problem is that that kind of gun control would have done nothing in Kansas City because the attackers used handguns. Now, another thing that that the left does is they talk about, we're just going to take away the assault weapons. Well, there's no real such thing as an assault weapon. Anything you use to create an assault on someone is an assault weapon. If it's a baseball bat, if it's a toothpick, a needle or a knife or whatever, uh, it becomes an assault weapon. And so that category is very broadly thrown out there by people who want to have gun control. So it's, again, meaningless. And the outcome would be that they'd take away everything because even the smallest single-shot pistol could be used as an assault weapon. Even my van could be used as an assault weapon by the right person. Absolutely, and and has been used. Uh, I think it was in Paris where they used a truck to mow right. down people. Yeah. Another thing that the people who want to take away guns never speak about is taking away guns from gang members first. Gang violence is a very significant piece of what we find, and especially in the large cities. But you never hear about that. We're just going to take it away from law-abiding citizens. Another thing that the candidates talk frequently about is taking away semi-automatic weapons. Uh, now, Semi-automatic is anything where the gas from a shot being fired creates a gas explosion there inside the chamber, and semi-automatics use that energy, the, the released gas, in order to put the next round in the chamber, and almost every pistol except the ones with the cylinders uh, don't do it but almost every pistol almost every rifle is now semi-automatic and so that when they talk about taking away semi-automatics it's it's a huge grab on everyone the difference i guess is semi-automatic you pull the trigger it fires one bullet fully automatic and those are illegal already to have a fully automatic weapon is where you hold the trigger down and it just keeps firing until you run out of bullets Absolutely, and the AR-15 and the AK-47 are semi-automatic. They can be converted to automatic, but again, you said that's against the law. But every handgun almost that has a clip is going to be semi-automatic, so just a huge overreach on their part. It's interesting that Beto O'Rourke and Pete Buttigieg have really gone after each other. I think that the mayor of Indianapolis is probably much more sensitive to the issue. I suspect that he's had to face a different kind of voting population than Beto has. And so he's saying, well, those kind of bans don't work. But Buttigieg has called for a ban on the sale of certain semi-automatic rifles. But now then joining the rest of the Democratic primary field and resisting the call for a mandatory buyback. From what I'm seeing in the news, there's a lot of uncertainty in the Democratic presidential race coming up. Well, it's it's uncertainty at the very top of the race. First of all, Senator Sanders was hospitalized with a heart attack. At first, they didn't declare it that. They said it was something else, but later turns out that was just another word for heart attack. And then you have Biden and his son embroiled in this whole impeachment thing, and I will guarantee you he is not going to survive that. I don't think that Trump is going to be impeached, but Biden is going to suffer enough so that he's not going to be trusted by the people who really look for trust in their candidate. Then Elizabeth Warren that makes her basically the front runner with the uncertainty of the other two candidates. And many, many business people in the Democrat Party feel like that she's going to be way far left, that her socialist stances are not going to be electable. And so you have people just holding their powder dry, which is never positive in a crowded primary field like this. So I think that the Democrats are really trying to grasp at straws as they try to impeach the president. They're hoping to take the pressure off of their gun stances, off 
off of their life stances, off of their tax stances, off of the fact they don't have any ideas how to run the country. And so I think that's why they're pushing this impeachment inquiry so hard is because they want to deflect attention away from themselves. You are listening to Inside New Mexico with Chairman of our Republican Party of New Mexico, Steve Pierce. In our third segment coming up, I'll be talking with Sheriff Tony Mace from Cibola County. I hope you'll stay tuned. We'll be right back. Attention, New Mexico veterans. If you were honorably discharged from the U.S. Armed Forces, you've earned state and federal benefits, and the New Mexico Department of Veteran Services is standing by to assist you. State benefits include a veteran's property tax exemption, education and training, and transportation services. We can also assist with claims for federal VA benefits. The state of New Mexico and this radio station thank you for your service. More information at nmveterans.org or 1-866-433-8387. Welcome back to Inside New Mexico. I'm talking with chairman of our Republican Party, Steve Pierce. And Steve, give us the update on this whole Ukrainian deal and the Democrats' impeachment inquiry. Where are we in that? Well, let's start with Dick Morris's uh, commentary about how Trump will survive. And he says, after reading the breathless coverage of impeachment by the national news media, you would have to say that Donald Trump is on the verge of political extinction. But he's not. He's going to survive this scandal and go on to get reelected. He will stay in office because the Republican Senate will never vote him out. And he'll win the election because with Biden falling apart and Bernie being sick, his opponent is going to be Elizabeth Warren. She cannot survive her proposal to take away everyone's private health insurance or divert Medicare funding from the elderly to care for the rest of the population. So you have to wonder if the Democrats have so little run on that they've got to keep this noise going. And Washington is more biased than ever. All of this noise hasn't affected Trump's polling. Rasmussen, the only poll to test likely voters, has his job approval with solid at 48 percent. And the current real clear politics average is at 43.6, just a point shy of his high point. And the significance of testing likely voters is that those polls are much more accurate. When you test voters, people who are registered, a lot of people never bother to vote. And so you always get a little bit further leftward shift in that particular type of polling. So he's where he always has been. He's just shy of a majority of the vote and likely to match up against a Democrat who is so progressive that she's going to be unelectable. People are asking, yeah, but there's now a second whistleblower. And this one was on the conversation. They want you to salivate at their insistence that this is going to make a difference. I'm sorry, but Trump released the entire transcript. Everybody in the country has had the opportunity to listen to what he said. So what difference is another whistleblower going to make? Again, the House is like the grand jury. They bring charges, but then the impeachment trial itself will occur in the Senate, and they have to vote two-thirds to convict. Even Clinton, when he was impeached, he was just one vote shy of the two-thirds. But I tell you, to get 20 of the 53 Republican senators to defect and vote to remove the president, there is no way that is going to happen. You may find Mitt Romney scooting off on the side, and you may find one or two more. Susan Collins maybe comes to mind, and maybe Murkowski. They all have a deep dislike for the president. But to get 17 more, I just don't think you're going to do it. So I think that we're going to find that Trump will actually stay in office, even if he is impeached. 
that's the reason that the Democrats are not actually doing an impeachment. They're doing an impeachment inquiry, and they know that it's going to go nowhere in the Senate. And so they simply want to keep that buzz going to try to bring Trump down in the polls. And it's not working because working people, people who make a living, people who make this country operate, they see their paychecks increasing. The people at the bottom end of the economic spectrum have seen their pay go up more dramatically than anybody else in America as a percent. And and so uh, you're going to have all these working class people saying, wait, the president's doing pretty good for me. I believe I'll vote for him. Well, let's clarify something, too. If the president really did something illegal, then I think the Republican Senate probably would impeach him. But for what we're hearing so far, he didn't do anything wrong. He hasn't done anything wrong. And he has, again, released all all of the transcript. He's been one of the more transparent presidents in history. He's not afraid of the facts. When people are attacking him, he doesn't cower and run for cover. So I think that all of this plays into his court. I think that the whole impeachment inquiry is going to backfire on the Democrats. It's interesting because Senator Mitch McConnell, he's from Kentucky, he's already airing ads that say that the Democrats are going to fail as long as he's in charge of the Senate. He will be in charge of the Senate as long as Republicans are in charge of the Senate. So right now he's actually sticking his finger into the Democrats' face nationwide and saying that when I'm in charge, they're going to fail. He also says that Nancy Pelosi is in the clutches of a left-wing mob. They finally convinced her to impeach the president. And he says this looking straight into the camera in a 17-second video. And then he says to all the public, all of you know your constitution. The way that impeachment stops is a Senate majority with me as a majority leader. So now then he's throwing down the gauntlet saying that this whole election in the Senate nationwide is going to be about control of the Senate and who can stop this whole foolishness coming from the Democrat Party right now. It doesn't mean that the Democrats are going to back off in the House. They are now then even more shrill than ever. Chris Stewart, a Republican member of the House that I know very well, served with him on Sunday. He just brushed off reports that a second whistleblower has come forward. Fox News Sunday asked if he was concerned by the emergence of another whistleblower. Stewart says, no, not at all. One of our concerns, he said, has always been that there wasn't firsthand knowledge of this. But the first whistleblower, virtually everything that he accused was second, third handed knowledge. But it doesn't matter because now then the supposed eyewitness, this person who was on the call with firsthand knowledge is going to come and say, yep, president had this phone call. And yep, here's the transcript. Everybody's read it. So, again, I think that the president's openness and his willingness to go straight at the fight is going to play well in this particular regard. You know, there's a, a saying in Africa that when you hear the roar of the lion, you don't run away because the lion will run you down. You run at the lion and run to the battle. And that's what the president is doing right here. As you mentioned, the economy is very good right now. And even with the Democrats continuing to cry impeachment like the boy who cried wolf, this great economy we're experiencing has to be a factor in the 2020 presidential election. It, it's a huge factor, and unemployment continues to fall. It fell by another two-tenths of a percent, down to 3.5 percent. Around 4 percent, the specialists call that full employment because you really can't find people when you get that uh, many people employed. The rest are very unemployable. They don't have skills. They don't have interest in working. And so to get it even for below 4 percent to 3.5 percent is a huge deal. It's a 50-year low. Yes, and people are getting full-time jobs. These are not part-time 
Would you like fries with that jobs that are being created? Yeah, that's uh, that's correct, Derek. The non-farm payrolls are the ones that are pretty key here, and they rose by 136,000 in September. But what is especially interesting is that the numbers are being revised for past months. For instance, August was reported in at 130,000. Now that's been revised upward to 168. July was also revised upward between the two months, about a 45,000 gain in the revision of the numbers that we first thought of the jobless rate for Hispanics hit a new low. And again, these are all reasons the president's going to win. When Hispanic workers look at their paycheck, they see that they're working more hours, they see that they're working for higher wages, and they see taxes lower. Those three elements tell them that they've got more money to spend on their kids going to school, more money on making sure that the kids are in soccer or baseball or whatever it is. And when families are able to take care of the families with their paycheck and not have to worry one paycheck to the next, they're going to vote to continue the policies that are in place when they find their life improving that much. That's the importance of these economic numbers that are coming out every month and looking better and better. If you just tuned in, I'm talking with chairman of our Republican Party of New Mexico, former congressman of the 2nd Congressional District of New Mexico, Steve Pierce. In our next segment, I'll be talking with Tony Mates, sheriff of Cibola County. I hope you'll be with us. National Guard and Reserve members are true leaders, both in the military and in the workplace. They are highly skilled and get the job done every day. Employer support of the Guard and Reserve, ESGR, can help you recruit top-notch service members to your workforce. Hiring Guard and Reserve members is good for your business and good for your community. Visit esgr.mil employers to learn more. Welcome back to Inside New Mexico. I am speaking with Sheriff Tony Mace of Cibola County here in New Mexico. And Tony, you spoke at the President Trump rally in Rio Rancho quite eloquently, even though you ran twice as a Democrat for sheriff. How did that happen that you got to speak at President Trump's rally? You know, as as I was traveling through the state, and not just the state of New Mexico, I've been to Oklahoma, Kentucky, I, I mean, Texas, Arizona, Colorado. I've been all over the state talking about these particular issues against our Constitution and a lot of people are they're sick of the do nothing congress they're tired of their voice not being heard they're tired of this radical push against uh, everything that they believe in when i learned that our president was coming to rio rancho and i said give me tickets they said we're going to do better <laughs> get a speech ready you're going to you're going to talk and i'm like what an honor yeah. and i said you know that's 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 great being a democrat and being able to speak at a republican president's uh, rally and i mean it was just an honor and while i was there I met a lot of people and a lot of the people I knew because I traveled so much and met a lot of them. I met people that came from Texas just to hear the president. I met people in, that were from California that came just to hear the president all over. There were well over 20,000 people there and they all were peaceful. They were all happy. It was a good, it was a nice event. There was just such a positive feeling in the air and it made you want to be there. And, you know, I really caught my second wind and realized that, hey, there are conservative people out there that want to protect the Constitution. There are people out there that really don't support this radical push. And as I'm traveling around the state, where I realize it the most is when you get outside of the metropolitan areas like Albuquerque, Las Cruces, Santa Fe, mm -hmm. and you actually get onto rural New Mexico like Cibola County, McKinley County. They're really not afraid to say, hey, you know what? I'm a Democrat, but I don't want my guns taken away. I don't want late-term abortion. I don't want our 
feel in the industry to be uh, shut down. I want to protect my job. I want to protect the coal mine. You know, you get up by uh, McKinley County, they want to protect the coal mine. You get up by San Juan, they want to protect uh, their industry. You get over by Eddy County and Lee County, they want to protect their industry there as well. And New Mexico is so diverse that we don't have to rely on one resource. There's room for everybody. Sure. You know, and, and we need to capitalize on that. And I am just tired of New Mexico being dead last in everything. When are we going to step out of that rut? And when are we going to become number one in everything or close to the top in everything? I mean, look at education. I mean, we always make the news for bad stuff. We're number one for auto theft. We're ranked the worst place to raise a family. New Mexico just keeps getting deeper and deeper and deeper. When are we going to get out of that rut? Well, I think a lot of it has to do with who we elect into office. And it's time for we, the people, to hold the elected officials accountable and start electing conservative people into these offices that are going to represent us and protect New Mexico and really carry our values when they go to Santa Fe or when they go to when they go to D.C., when they go to Capitol Hill. And like I said, the, there's a lot of people that say, hey, my party was hijacked. That's not what I'm about. I just want to encourage everybody. There's a very important election coming up in 2020. You've heard turn the state red. I think we can do it. I think that our president needs your support. We really need to get out and vote. You may not agree with the demeanor, yeah. but really look at the policies that we're benefiting from. Let's look at the people we're electing into office, whether they're Republican, whether they're Democrat. It's not a red issue. It's not a blue issue. It's an American issue. And we need to take our state back and we need to take our nation back and, and really look at these people that we're electing into office. And again, that was Tony Mace, our sheriff of Cibola County, New Mexico, which is in the Grants area on the western end of the state. And now we continue on with Steve Pierce and New Mexico Early Childhood Fund could get oil-powered takeoff. Tell us about that. Well, it's, uh, it's amazing. The governor is talking about this dramatic takeoff uh, using oil and gas money, but she also has signed the AOC Green Deal, and it is going to phase out energy production in the oil and gas sector in a certain number of years. We all know it's not practical. We all know that it would be devastating to the state. But Michelle Lujan Grisham continues to talk like she and the land commissioner are going to do that. John Arthur Smith is someone I respect a lot. He's the chair of the Senate Finance Committee, and he said Thursday that lawmakers are going to scrutinize the funding proposal during the 30-day session. He says, I think they're going to try to accelerate the growth of these funds. However, he says there are growing concerns that falling oil prices and growing worldwide supply could lead to a slowdown in New Mexico oil production, which could stunt the state's revenue growth. And so, again, this early childhood proposal is one that should be looked at very carefully for the long term, being able to fund it for the long term, not just here when we have a period of tremendous growth in the oil and gas drilling and expansion here in the state. You know, Derek, I've said before that this governor is tending towards bumper sticker policies, and this is just another one. She's going to go out and tout what they're going to do, and, and it's going to sound pretty. It'll be almost like her standing on top of that windmill and the ads during the gubernatorial race, except there ain't nowhere to go. I think in the end, it is nothing more than a bumper sticker idea. See, I think the public is catching on to this, and they realize if the price of oil does go down and we don't have a surplus, then either free college goes away or our taxes go up to pay for it. Yes, you're exactly right, Derek. The public is catching on to a lot of these. The Internet is extremely valuable. Social media is valuable. People are able to dissect policies and dissect uh, just in a moment 
the impact of it. Before we had to wait on the press to do that. Now then you got people who work in industries that are constantly reviewing every statement made by political leaders. So this is just another wild statement that she's made. I understand our interior secretary will be visiting Santa Fe. What do you think will happen there? Well, he's uh, coming in, Secretary uh, David Bernhardt. I know him pretty well. Uh, my former chief of staff actually works uh, closely with him. He's coming in for the Namoga meeting that is occurring early this week. It will have already occurred by the time the program airs. He's scheduled to address the industry representatives Tuesday morning at the El Dorado Hotel. During his visit here, he's going to meet with a lot of different people in the oil and gas industry. They have agreed to do TV interviews and uh, radio interviews. They are going to be talking with some of the state's newspapers. So again, a, a really transparent visit by another one of the people who closely surround the president and help him do his policies. Crime continues to flourish in New Mexico. Nothing seems to be done about it. We had another shooting at a party over this last weekend. Nothing seems to be done. Your thoughts, please. Well, the governor has primary responsibility for the safety of the state, but I tell you, inside Albuquerque, Mayor Keller just seemed like he has no idea what to do. We have more suggestions coming from people. Then you have the professionals say the policy is just going to be a burden to officers. It comes down to the fact that people are turned loose by Democrat judges who do not want to put anyone in jail. They want the trial lawyers to have all of the casework they need. I will tell you that this issue of crime in New Mexico is going to be one of the biggest things in this coming election. You've got a president who is tough on crime, and you've got a governor and a mayor who are easy on crime. Voters are going to side with the party that has been tough on crime. Derek, we've had a great show today. Just want to tell the people before we sign off here, if you want to take a closer look at Inside New Mexico, you can find it on our webpage, newmexico.gop. You can also tag into us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, just at New Mexico GOP. We've got our podcast on multiple apps, so the Apple Podcast, Spotify, Google Podcast. Just put any of these on your phone or tablet. Search for Inside New Mexico with Steve Pierce. Subscribe, and you'll be notified every time that a new episode is available. Or to get involved, just call our headquarters. Speak to anyone there, 505-298-3662. Derek, a tremendous show today, and just uh, God bless all of our listeners. Thank you, Steve Pierce, our chairman of the Republican Party of New Mexico. I look forward to talking with you and our listeners again next week right here on Inside New Mexico.